Okay. Um, as some of, of you know, I've been um, um, involved in a, for a while in um, writing a book on a Buddhist approach to couple therapy, and uh, I finished the first draft of it um, when I was away overseas. I've still got a long way to go in filling out the framework, but it's basically the framework is there. And it's really trying to um, apply the teachings of Zen or teachings of Zen Buddhism to, to what I do in my work. Um, I just want to describe a little bit of it to you, but um, the reason why I'm um, talking about it is that I don't think it just has relevance to, um, to people who do therapy, a couple therapy, either on the receiving end or the giving end of it. But um, maybe it has relevance to um, relationships in general. But um, one of the things which you um, see in human nature all the time and in relationships um, is this play between vulnerability and power. That's why I asked Althea to select that, that reading in particular for tonight, which is quite a good reading. And uh, we, as it says in that reading, we, when we're caught in a kind of uh, ego structure, um, it's a very defensive kind of position, you know, and uh, it covers up, its purpose is to cover up some kind of sense of vulnerability or vulnerability of heart, uh, our soft core that's inside of it, it's kind of like a hard shell over the, over the top of ourselves, like an egg, mm -hmm. protecting a softer yolk in, inside. And um, people are like that in relationships, in intimate relationships, in friendships and so on, is that we can, we can relate from this kind of harder, tougher kind of position, um, when really underneath, um, people experience vulnerability, it's just that they don't show it quite so easily. And sometimes um, the tougher the people present themselves in the world, sometimes the most vulnerable they actually are inside, because it's that the need to do it is even stronger. Mm -hmm. um, but people do it in relationships too. And um, when I see people in couple therapy, um, to put it in very simple kind of terms, most people come in um, blaming one another for why the relationship is not working and why there's a loss of closeness and so on, why there's disharmony and conflict. And they come in either blaming one another or pathologizing one another, which is a variation on the same theme. So you're not just bad, but you're mad in some mm. way as well. Or you get variations on that where both people blame one person. You know, it's like, yep, I'm, I'm to blame, it's all my fault. Um, and there's no kind of balance of both people looking at their own issues in the relationship or their responsibility or their difficulty in being vulnerable. And uh, a, a therapist's task, really, or a couple therapist's task is to try and um, engage people in the process 
of taking responsibility for their own issues and the relationship that's created it as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think it's always on a formula of 50-50. Um, in some cases it's not. But there's some contribution that we both make um, to the relationship we co-created in some way. Um, and uh, I've kind of thrown the rule book out about how I was taught to do couples therapy over the last year just so I can sort of relearn it myself. And one of the things that I started doing differently and to put a, a name to it is called um, doing individual therapy in the presence of the other. So instead of it being a three-way conversation between me and the couple in the room, um, by agreement, if we kind of come to an impasse and after a few sessions they've got to know me and this trust developed and so on, and there's an impasse and it's kind of a he said, she said kind of standoff, then what I invite people to work in a different way. And that is to, um, by agreement, that I work with one person individually and uh, the other person is to go into the position of being an empathic observer to the process. And it's kind of like externalising what happens in meditation. You have an observer, an empathic observer, to your own experience and you see it more clearly for what it is but you don't judge it but you but you but you perceive it accurately too honestly and compassionately so this breaks up the pattern of blaming by doing this people just can't keep going backwards and forwards going around in circles and it's very important that i induct the observer into being very clear about what their role is and that is that they're to just observe in silence they're not to comment they're just to empathically observe what their, their partner goes through when I do a bit of therapeutic work with them. And then at the end of that process, um, then what they're supposed to do during this observational period is observe their partner, but more particularly, observe what their own experience is through this process. And just be honest and compassionate about what comes up inside of them. And then after I've finished doing a bit of work with their partner, then I go to them and they kind of debrief and they, their job is to tell me what they experienced when they heard their partner disclosing something. And, uh, and when I'm working with the partner, I'm basically using the principles of John, John Wilwood's uh, little essay there. And so everyone to some degree in their, in their relationship is, is caught up in a power contest. And it's a way of, um, hiding one's vulnerability, you know, some fear of getting hurt, you know, or whatever, or losing something. And, uh, and so when I do the individual work with someone, the general principle is to try and gently move them from um, a position of power or defensiveness to a position of vulnerability. And there's something that along the lines occurs, it doesn't matter how, how great or how little it is, if we've moved from power to vulnerability, um, that's good to me. Not just because I've witnessed it, because of their partners witnessed it and witnessed it in a different way with this non-judgment, or if there is judgment coming up there to observe their judgment. And then the next session we reverse it. 
and the person who is the observer is the person I work with and the other partner is observing. Um, but the whole process is one of trying to cut through and put a spanner in the works of people blaming one another and giving a, creating a space where vulnerability can emerge you know, and hopefully emerge in a safe kind of way. And my, my experience of it is that it generally makes a difference. And then where my next question goes to, um, to myself and to all of us, is how we can um, duplicate that process in our own relationships, our own friendships and so on. Um, both in being um, uh, a non-judgmental but honest, compassionate observer of the experience of suffering, you know, that we all, all of suffering that we see in our partner, and yet, and also to be able to drop the defences so that we show some vulnerability somewhere. Another component of this too is that, um, which I bring in from Dharma practice, which I don't think is really, it's there to some degree in therapy, but it's, I don't think it's very followed through very much, is that um, when people come into counselling or individual counselling, and in the kind of psychology paradigm, scientific paradigm we have, um, whether it's couple therapy or individual therapy, people coming in, people come in with the view about how they've been harmed by others or bullied by others or abandoned by others. But it's also it's often coming back to some what what's been done to me that harmed me, which happens, you know, we need to heal that. But very rarely do people come in and actually ask the question, what have I done to harm others? Mm-hmm. That just doesn't seem to arise very much. And I think it's missed something missing in the whole process. If you think of the whole philosophy of Buddhism of interbeing and of karma, you know, when we, when we harm others, we harm ourselves. And I think it's important that we look at both sides of that, you know, in our own lives, whether it's in therapy or not in therapy. It's just Dharma practice. Is that how have I been harmed by others? But equally, how have I done harm? This is the thing that often we, we overlook and not, not, we don't see. It, it's amusing because over years of doing therapy, I've had people come in who have talked about how they were bullied in school or bullied as a child or bullied in their family. But no one ever comes in and says that they were a bully. And when I think back on my childhood, I went to a fairly tough school down at Manly Boys High, and there was a lot of rough and tumble. And when I reflect back on it, I was bullied, but I was also a bully. It happened both ways, mm-hmm. if I'm honest with myself. That was the kind of rough and tumble of, of, that, of that growing up period. And I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> So it's important in relationships, you know, as well as looking at this vulnerability power issue, something which is kind of similar to it, or a variation on the theme, is that um, uh, 
if we're just caught in this paradigm of what's been done to harm me, but we don't look at the other side of it, what my partner does to harm me, but what do I do that harms my partner? What is the, the two-way process of um, then, then we're using Dharma practice to look at the whole picture, not just half of it, in a kind of self-centered way. And what's a useful process in therapy, but it's a useful process just in reflecting on our own relationships, is that in, in relationships we want, we want closeness, we want love, we want intimacy, we want friendship, we want fun. Um, but what do we do that sabotages it? Mm -hmm. And if we do things through action or distancing or speech or whatever that actually harms the other, then we've sabotaged what we want. Mm -hmm. If we want openness and closeness and yet we're attacking, how are we going to have both? Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of blaming or, or criticizing yourself, but one way of working with it is to hold it like a koan. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is, it is a kind of relationship koan. It's like, I want this, I want the openness, I want the closeness and so on, and yet I'm, sarca I'm sarcastic when I speak to my partner. Mm -hmm. One doesn't generate the other. One actually undermines the other. There are cross-purposes with one another. There's a fight going on. And if we hold it as a koan, like a koan, it's like we just hold both sides. There's a kind of recognition, this is what I want, and this is what I do that sabotages what I want. And if we just hold that, that dilemma, like a koan, then something's got to start cooking, eventually. And then if we hear this and our focus goes on, yeah, that's what my partner does, then mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're not working, we're not, we're not in the Dharma crucible. Mm -hmm. The challenge of this is not to think now, oh, that's what my partner does, but what do I do? Mm -hmm. What is it I want? And what is it that I do that sabotages what I want? Mm -hmm. And if you get two people working like that, then something is likely to shift. But if you get people in the paradigm of what you do that harms me, mm -hmm. um, and both people are thinking that, then you get the blame game. And people come along to couple therapy to undo it all. They can't do it themselves. So there's application here not just for being a couple therapist, but there's an application here in terms of how we bring um, dharma to our relationships.